Chapter Eleven, Part Two of Knots Untied by J. C. Ryle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter Eleven: The Priest, Part Two. Three. Last of all, let us consider the third question, which I propose to examine: What is Christ Jesus going to do before the end of the world? I will answer this inquiry in the words of Scripture. In speaking of things to come, the safest plan is to go to the book. Let us hear what St. Paul says to the Hebrews. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. Let us hear what the angel said to the apostles on the Mount of Olives on the day of the ascension. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come, in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. Let us hear what St. Paul preached to the Jews at Jerusalem. Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things. Acts chapter 3 verses 19 to 21. Let us hear what St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. Let us hear what Enoch prophesied five thousand years ago. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Jude, verse 14. The world has not done with Jesus Christ yet. The wicked and worldly and unbelieving and skeptical who flatter themselves that Christianity as a system is worn out and dying away will find themselves fearfully mistaken one day. The philosophers and admirers of science, falsely so called, who talk of modern progress and free thought and sneer at old world creeds, as they term them, will have their eyes rudely opened by and by. That same Jesus of Nazareth, of whom they speak so lightly now, will appear to their confusion and set up a kingdom over all the earth. He shall rise up from that seat at God's right hand, which he now occupies as priest, and come down to this sin-burdened world to rule over it as king. Every eye shall see him, and every knee shall bow before him, and every tongue which has spoken against him shall be silenced for ever. The great high priest shall come forth from within the veil, and sit upon his throne as a king. This is what Christ is going to do before the end of the world. How will Jesus come the second time? Not spiritually and figuratively, as some say, but really, literally, truly, and in the body, as he came the first time. He came with a real material body when he came the first time to suffer and be crucified. He will come back with a real material body when he returns to be glorified and to reign. There will be a real presence at length on earth of that holy body which was born of the Virgin Mary and crucified under Pontius Pilate but it will be a very different presence from that which is now ignorantly talked of by the church and the world. In what fashion will Jesus Christ return the second time? Not as he came the first time, in weakness and humiliation. He shall come, as he told Caiaphas in the judgment hall, in the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. He shall come attended by thousands of ministering angels, with all the pomp and majesty that becomes the king of kings. Before his face the frame of the world shall be shaken to the very center. It was shaken when the law was given on Mount Sinai. 
it was shaken again when christ offered himself for our sins on the cross how much more shall it be shaken when the throne of mercy shall be taken down and the great high priest shall return in power to reign the earth quaked and the rocks were rent and the sun was darkened when the great high priest of our profession shed his atoning blood for us on calvary much more then may we expect signs and wonders when he appears the second time without sin unto salvation hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 for what purpose is christ coming the second time he is coming to set up his throne of judgment and to wind up the affairs of this sin-laden and bankrupt world he is coming to raise the dead and change the living to gather all mankind before his bar and to hold a last assize he is coming to reckon with his professing churches and to punish with everlasting destruction the impenitent the unbelieving and the ungodly they will find to their cost that there is such a thing as the wrath of the lamb he is coming to bless and reward his own believing people to gather them into one happy home to wipe away all their tears and to give them a crown of glory that fadeth not away revelation chapter six verse sixteen when is the lord jesus christ coming the second time we do not know the precise season of that day and hour knoweth no man no not the angels in heaven matthew chapter twenty four verse thirty six the time is wisely withheld from us in order that we may be kept in a watchful frame of mind we know the fact but we do not know the date when the iniquity of Christ's enemies is full, when the number of his elect is complete, when the last sinner in the mystical company of his people has been brought to repentance, then, and not till then, the Lord will return. He will not send the plough of judgment into the field until the last sheaf has been gathered into the barn. Come when he may, his advent will be a very sudden and unexpected one. It will take a sleeping world by surprise. Like a thief in the night, it will startle a drowsy church from its slumber and make myriads cry give us your oil for our lamps are gone out matthew chapter twenty five verse eight as it was in the days of noah so shall it be at the second coming of the son of man blessed indeed is that servant whom the lord when he cometh shall find watching great indeed are the things which our great high priest shall do at his second coming he did great things when he came the first time, and spoiled principalities and powers by his sacrifice on the cross. He is doing great things now, by carrying believers from grace to glory, by his almighty intercession. But he will put the crown on all his doings for his church, when he comes forth from within the veil the second time, to confound his enemies and reward his friends. Never will our great high priest appear so glorious as when he presents his people before the Father's throne, saying for the last time, of those whom thou gavest me i have lost none john chapter eighteen verse nine he did thoroughly the work he came to do when he made his soul a sacrifice for sin and died upon the cross as our substitute he is doing thoroughly the work he undertook when he ascended up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of god to be the priest and advocate of his people he will yet do thoroughly his last great work when he shall come again to complete our salvation and to present us without spot or wrinkle or any such thing before his father's throne ephesians chapter five verse twenty seven let us lean back our souls if we know anything of saving religion on christ's coming again as well as christ's dying and christ's interceding let the comfortable thought of our lord's return sustain us in public troubles and cheer us in private trials 
when the governments of the world are reeling and tottering when the air is filled with rumours of wars and revolutions when the nations of the earth are heaving up and down and ill at ease when faith is faint and love is waxing cold and the best of churches seem running to seed and decay when men's hearts are failing for fear and looking after the things coming on the earth in times like these let us fix our eyes steadily on the second advent of our lord jesus christ that great high priest who died for us and intercedes for us will never forget his people or allow one lamb of his flock to perish the disciples on the sea of galilee when tossed by storm and worn with toil were ready perhaps to think their lord had forgotten them yet just when it was the darkest hour of the night jesus came to them walking on the water and they heard his welcome voice saying it is i be not afraid let us not cast away our confidence however dark the horizon may seem around us let us look back to the cross let us look upward to the right hand of god let us look forward to the day of promised return let experience of the past give lessons for the future the merciful and faithful high priest who began a work for us on the cross will bring that work to a triumphant conclusion he will never forsake the work of his own hands yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry hebrews chapter 10 verse 37 it only remains to wind up the whole subject with a few words of practical application living in a world full of uncertainty i commend the following words to the attention of all who may read these pages one first of all have we a priest in our religion is there any one whom we employ as our mediator and advocate with god is the person we employ the one true appointed and anointed priest jesus christ the lord can we lay our hand on our heart and say christ is mine and i am his i have come to him poured out my heart to him received absolution from him cast all my burden on him placed my soul in his hands we may be sure if we have a religion without a priest or any priest except christ we are in awful danger we are yet unpardoned unforgiven unfit to die unprepared to meet god if we die without christ as our priest we shall awake to find we had better never have been born it is not enough to talk of god and mercy and providence and trying all we can and saying our prayers and going to church or chapel and being a member here and there it will not do this will not save us we need far more than this we must lay hold on christ as our mediator and advocate or else we shall never be saved have we done this is christ our priest two in the second place if christ is really the priest of our souls let us use him regularly and keep back nothing from him it is a sorrowful fact that many believers enjoy the gospel far less than they ought to do for lack of boldness in using the priestly office of jesus christ they go mourning and weeping along the way to heaven perplexing themselves by poring over their infirmities and sins and carrying ten times as much weight on their backs as christ ever meant them to bear ignorance sad ignorance is too often the simple account of the condition of these people they think only of the death of christ and not of the life of christ they think of his finished work on the cross but forget his priestly intercession if this be our case let us turn over a new leaf and change our plan this very day let us think of jesus christ as a loving friend to whom we may go morning noon and night and get relief from him every day
cast thy burden upon the lord and he will sustain thee psalm 55 verse 22 let us live the life of faith in the son of god and hold communion with him continually let us use him every morning as a fountain of grace and help and drink freely of that fountain let us use him every evening as a fountain of absolution and refreshment and draw out of him living water he that tries this plan will find it for the health of his soul three in the third place if christ is the priest of our souls let us beware of ever giving his office to another let no man delude us into supposing that we need any clergyman or minister or priest of any church on earth to be our spiritual director and soul's confessor i am sure this warning is greatly needed in this day one of the most mischievous delusions of this age i firmly believe is the attempt that is widely made to teach the benefit of habitual private confession to a clergyman occasional private conference with a minister is one thing habitual confession of sin with habitual absolution is quite another the first practice under proper restriction may do good the last is a practice fraught with danger dishonoring to our lord jesus christ and calculated to do infinite harm to souls a where is the warrant of scripture for habitual private confession and private absolution i answer nowhere at all not a single case can be shown in the new testament where any one confessed sin in private to a minister or was privately absolved not a single word did paul say in the epistles which he wrote to his two young friends in the ministry timothy and titus to justify habitual private confession and absolution b where is the man on earth who is really fit to be a habitual hearer of confessions he only is fit for such an office who has perfect knowledge and knows that the person confessing is telling the truth he only is fit who will receive no damage himself by hearing others constantly confess and unbosom their secret sins he only is fit who is sure to use the knowledge he possesses of other sins rightly and can always feel rightly for those who confess he only is fit who has full power to pardon the sins he hears confessed and to set the conscience of the confessing entirely free where shall we find such a man upon earth i answer boldly nowhere at all there is but one person fit to be our confessor and that one is christ jesus the lord c where is the wisdom of ignoring the lessons of history and experience if there is any fact in church history which is clearly established it is the fact that the confessional has led to a flood of wickedness and immorality i challenge any well-informed reader of history to deny this if he can he that desires to reintroduce the practice of private confession into the church of england may be a devout and well-meaning man but he is ignorantly seeking to bring back among us a fountain of the worst kind of sins d where is the sense or reason of going to an earthly confessor so long as we can have the best of all priests the commissioned and appointed priest the perfect mediator between god and man the man christ jesus when his ear is deaf and his heart is cold when his hand is feeble and his power to heal is exhausted when the treasure-house of his sympathy is empty and his love and good will have become cold then and not till then it will be time to turn to earthly priests and earthly confessionals thank god that time is not yet come let us stand fast in the old paths let no man deceive us with vain words away with the plausible idea that habitual private confession tends to deepen spiritual life 
we may be sure it does nothing of the kind. Nothing really deepens spiritual life which interposes anything between our souls and Christ. Ministers are useful just so far as they promote private communion between Jesus Christ and our souls. But the moment a minister begins to stand between our soul and Christ, even in the slightest degree, he becomes an enemy and not a friend to our peace. Once more I repeat my warning. No priest but Christ. No confessor but Christ. No absolver but Christ. No habitual private submission or bowing down in religion to anyone but Christ. No spiritual director but Christ. No putting of our conscience in the power of anyone but Christ. If we love peace and wish to honor Christ, let us beware of the confessional or the slightest approach to it. I declare I had almost rather hear my sons and daughters had gone to the grave than hear they had adopted the habit of going to a confessional. 4. In the last place, if Christ is the priest of our souls, let us live always like men who look for his second coming. Let us live like men who long to see face to face the Savior in whom they believe. Let us live like men who would be found ready at any moment, like good servants prepared for their master. Happy is the Christian who lives the life of faith in Christ's dying, interceding, and coming again. There is a crown laid up for all that love his appearing. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 Let us give diligence that this crown may be ours. End of chapter 11, part 2